Today on this special day as we honor all of our moms today, we're going to begin a new series on prayer. I've been talking about this for several weeks and we're going to begin today. Prayer is one of the most foundational elements of Christianity. Folks that don't consider themselves Christian even and have no intention of embracing Christ, even those folks know that prayer is a basic fundamental of Christianity. And yet, as one man said, listen to this quote, Of all the duties enjoined by Christianity, none is more essential, and yet none is more neglected than prayer. Think about that. Of all the duties enjoined by Christianity, none is more essential, and yet none is more neglected than prayer. A relationship with Christ without prayer is like trying to grow grass without planting seed. Or it's like trying to build a house without a foundation underneath it. You just simply cannot separate the two. However, as fundamental and as essential and as basic as prayer is to our walk with Christ, one thing I find as a pastor, most people that I talk to, we may not, especially if they come to me with a problem or an issue, we, they may not come to me talking about their prayer life, but we end up talking about their prayer life, about whatever the situation is that they're going through. And most people that I talk to, I find the older I get, that most people fall into one of two categories uh, when it comes to developing a prayer life. Number one, a lot of people are confused. They just simply don't fully understand prayer and the power of it and how it actually works. And then the second category are people who are just frustrated. They feel like they've prayed, but there are no answers. They feel like they've prayed and they didn't feel something. Or they feel like their prayers, you hear this one a lot, didn't go any farther than the ceiling. You know what I'm talking about. That's most category. Most people fall into one of those two categories. Some people are confused on how to pray. Uh, just the, the simple strategy of prayer and the mechanics of prayer just, just confuses them. They find themselves stumbling around with, with no ability to communicate, to talk to the Lord, or to listen for what the Lord has to say to them. And then that second category, frustration. Do you know what frustration results from? Frustration results from uh, silence, from failed attempts at uh, creating enough time or carving out enough time. How many will say, I'm busy? We live in the busiest time I've ever seen in my life. Everybody's busy. But frustration comes when we fail to carve out those times to spend in prayer and conversation with the Lord. And then yet there's some people who have mastered the discipline of prayer because it is a spiritual discipline. You have to discipline yourself to pray regularly. But those people sometimes struggle with feeling like they have no real connection, no real communion with the Lord. So over the next few weeks, I want us to talk about prayer. And I want us to see if we can move past the confusion and move past the frustration. If we can be open-minded as we examine what the Scripture has to say about prayer. And I want us to make another declaration together. You know, we've made two already this year. I worship, and this is a worshiping church. I'm so thankful it is. I serve, and you are a serving church. And we're so thankful for all of you that serve and all that you do. But now I want us to make another declaration together, but I don't want it just to be something we say. I want it to be something that we can honestly say that we do, and that is, I pray. And not, I just say words to the Lord. 
I know what it is to pray and commune with Him. We're going to get into that today. And I want us to begin this series. It's very appropriate. You may say, a Mother's Day, really? Well, we're actually going to look today as we begin this series. We're going to take a close look at a praying mother. How many is glad for a praying mama this morning? Anybody have a praying mama? Yes. We're going to take a closer look at a praying mother and the results that she obtained as a result of her prayers. But we're also going to take a close look uh, at her prayers and exactly what it consisted of. So if you'll stand with me all over the room, I'm going to read 20 verses of Scripture out of the book of 1 Samuel, chapter 1. And I'm going to be reading from the New Living Translation for easy understanding this morning. The Word said, There was a man named Elkanah who lived in Ramah in the region of Zuphah in the hill country of Ephraim. He was the son of Jeroham, son of Elihu, son of Tohu, son of Zuph, of Ephraim. Now here's what's important. Elkanah had two wives, Hannah and Panina. Panina had children, but Hannah did not. Each year, Elkanah would travel to Shiloh to worship and sacrifice to the Lord of Heaven's armies at the tabernacle. Everybody say, he went to church. The priests of the Lord at that time were the two sons of Eli. You've heard of them, Hophni and Phinehas. And on the days Elkanah presented his sacrifice, he would give portions of the meat to Panina and each of her children. And though he loved Hannah, he would give her only one choice portion because the Lord had given her no children. So Panina would taunt Hannah and make fun of her because the Lord had kept her from having children. Year after year, it was the same. Panina would taunt Hannah as they went to the tabernacle. Each time, Hannah would be reduced to tears and would not even eat. Why are you crying, Hannah? Elkanah would ask. Why aren't you eating? Why be downhearted just because you have no children? You have me. Isn't that better than having sons? Once after a sacrificial meal at Shiloh, Hannah got up and she went to pray. Eli, the priest, was sitting at his customary place beside the entrance of the tabernacle. Hannah was in deep anguish, crying bitterly as she prayed to the Lord. And she made this vow. O Lord of heaven's armies, if you will look upon my sorrow and answer my prayer and give me a son, then I will give him back to you. He will be yours for his entire lifetime. And as a sign that he has been dedicated to the Lord, his hair shall never be cut. As she was praying to the Lord, Eli watched her. Seeing her lips moving but hearing no sound, he thought she had been drinking. Must you come here drunk, he demanded. Throw away your wine. Oh no, sir, she replied. I haven't been drinking wine or anything stronger, but I'm very discouraged. And I was pouring out my heart to the Lord. Don't think I'm a wicked woman, for I have been praying out of great anguish and sorrow. In that case, Eli said, go in peace. May the God of Israel grant the request you have asked of him. Oh, thank you, sir, she exclaimed. Then she went back and began to eat again, and she was no longer sad. The entire family got up early the next morning and went to worship the Lord once more. Then they returned home to Ramah, and when Elkanah slept with Hannah, the Lord remembered her plea. And in due time, remember that, she gave birth to a son. She named him Samuel, for she said, I ask the Lord for him. I want to talk to you this morning about a praying mother named Hannah. As we start this series, I pray. Today, we're going to talk about persistence. 
in our prayer. If you will, one more time, pray with me and for me. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for these precious people. I ask, Lord, that you would move me out of the way. Lord, that your spirit would be increased within me. I ask you to remove the hindrances from this room and and from the rooms where folks are watching right now. And for the next few moments, Lord, I ask you to anoint our ears to hear and our hearts to receive what you would speak to us. And Father, I ask you today that you would anoint these lips of clay. Don't let me speak my words. Let them be your words. Don't let them come forth with men's wisdom, but let them come forth in the power and the demonstration of your spirit. And Lord, more than anything, let us leave here today with our prayer lives challenged by your word. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And everybody said, Amen. Today, as we begin looking at Scripture and what it has to say about prayer, today we're going to talk about this mother, Hannah, and her prayer and exactly what her prayers consisted of. First off, I want you to notice that this mama prayed about what irritated her. Any mamas out there willing to admit that there are just some things that irritate and frustrate you? Anybody? Come on now. Y'all lying in the house of God. Any, maybe not mamas, because this message is to everybody today. Anybody today willing to admit that there are just some things in this life that just irritate you and frustrate you? Yeah, I saw some men's hands go up real quick. Here's what I want you to notice about that. This mother, Hannah, prayed about what irritated and frustrated her. Notice that Hannah did not retaliate. Did you notice that? When, uh, when Panina was taunting her, she did not retaliate. Notice that she did not gossip. It's probably going to get quiet today. Not going to get a lot of help preaching. She didn't gossip about Panina. Notice something else. She didn't quit because of Panina. She didn't allow Panina to steal what had been promised to her. Notice those things today. But I also want you to notice, if you will, that this went on year after year. Can I get a witness in the house this morning of anybody that will say, I've asked the Lord, how long is this going to go on, right? We've all been there. Notice that this went on year after year. This was not a one-time thing. This was a constant thing. And I also want you to notice this. Are you ready? Are you ready? Her rival provoked her at church. Think about that. Now, I know that this probably won't ever happen here, right? But one of the church folks got under her skin. Anybody ever had a church folk? Get up, don't raise your hand. Get under your skin. One of the church folks got under her skin. One of the church folks brought her to tears. I've been there too. One of the church ladies just irritated her. I could preach a whole sermon, but I'll move right on. But I want you to notice something about Hannah. She didn't change pews. She didn't avoid her. She didn't sit on the other side of the sanctuary from her. Are you hearing me this morning? And she didn't call the prayer line about her and say, you need to pray for that sister, right? Let me tell you something else she didn't do. She didn't leave church. Did you notice? Hello? Let me preach to us for just a few moments. She didn't change churches because one of the church ladies irritated her. No, the word said she went back year after year after year. What did she do about it? She prayed. That's what Hannah did. She prayed. Mamas, let me ask you something today. What irritates you? What frustrates you? What gets under your skin? Mamas and daddies and everybody else in between alike, I want you to ask yourself the question, who is your panina? Please don't shout names in church. 
But who is your panina? Where are they? Where do you deal with them regularly? But I want to ask you also, what have you done about them? Have you prayed about them? Or have you just complained about them? Talked about them? Mm -hmm. And avoided them? See, I honestly think if we've forgotten anything about prayer in the church today, one of the things that we have forgotten is that prayer changes things. Even when we can't see it, He's working. When we pray, God works on our behalf. So if you take anything home from that today, I want you to remember to pray about what frustrates you and irritates you. Instead of trying to find somebody else, hello, to talk to about it, take it to your prayer closet and watch God work it out. Secondly, this mother prayed persistently. Say persistence. Hannah went up and prayed, the word said, year after year. She was persistent in her petition before the Lord. And this reminds me of how Jesus taught us to pray in the parable found in Luke chapter 18. He taught us to pray like this mother prayed. Luke chapter 18, verses 1 through 8. And this is known as, in my Bible, the header in the New Living Translation above this passage of Scripture says, the parable of the persistent widow. I want you to listen to what it says. One day, Jesus told his disciples a story to show them that they should always pray and never give up. There was a judge in a certain city, he said, who neither feared God nor cared about people. A widow of that city came to him repeatedly saying, Give me justice in this dispute with my enemy. And the judge ignored her for a while. But finally, say finally, finally he said to himself, I don't fear God or care about people, but this woman is driving me crazy. He said, I'm going to see that she gets justice because she is wearing me out with her constant request. Then, here's what the Lord said after he told him that story. Remember, this was a parable. Here's what the Lord said to him. He said, learn a lesson from this unjust judge. Even he, and he's talking about him being unjust, rendered a just decision in the end. So don't you think God will surely give justice to his chosen people who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will grant justice to them quickly. But when the Son of Man returns, how many will he find on the earth who have faith? Jesus was saying, your persistence is related to your faith. Do you get that? See, when you're praying about something that you've taken to the Lord, don't quit after one prayer. After you've prayed about it and you don't see a change. See, it's not that God forgets what we've asked for, or it's not that we have to badger Him into meeting our needs, but it is, that, it is just that our persistence reveals both commitment and it actually reveals to Him our faith. How, Pastor? Here's how. It shows God that we have faith that He has the ability to meet our need or we'd go somewhere else looking for our needs to be met. Our persistence says, I trust you that eventually you're going to move in this situation. So what he was saying was, what's another passage of Scripture say? The Word tells us about prayer. Ask and it shall be given. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be open unto you. Anybody ever had somebody knock at your door and you debated about whether or not you wanted to go answer it? See, my mama used to, I mean, she'd run after the Jehovah's Witness. I mean, she was ready for them. 
They always came on Saturday, and if she was cleaning the house, and they came on Saturday, I mean, she'd run them down. She loved to prove them wrong. That was just my mama. Now, me, I'll never forget the first time one showed up on my porch when we built a house on Dorothy Road. I told Angie, I said, oh, no, it's a Jehovah's Witness. Don't go to the door. They knocked. Anybody ever had somebody knock at your door? Maybe it wasn't a Jehovah's Witness. Maybe it was family or somebody else you didn't want to answer the door, but they knocked again because they knew you was in there. You ever had that? Can I tell you this morning, I know that's funny, but that's exactly what God expects from us. When we pray and we don't get the answer the first time, we ought to come back saying, God, it's me again. God, I'm knocking on the door again, not because I'm trying to aggravate you, but because, God, I'm down here and I really need you to move. And I'm, I'm praying again and I'm asking you again. I'm knocking again because I know that you're able. And I'm not going to give up. I'm knocking again because the enemy wants me to quit knocking. The enemy wants me to stop praying. The enemy wants me to give up on that lost loved one or, or whatever the situation may be. But, God, I'm going to keep knocking because I know that you're a God that answers. God, I'm going to keep knocking because I know that you're able to do exceedingly and abundantly above everything I could ask or think God I'm going to keep knocking because you're God and you will do what you said you would do that shows God our faith when we persistently keep knocking and we pray persistently it shows God that we have faith that he has the ability to meet our needs I want to ask you this morning what have you prayed about that you were persistent with God what is that one prayer? Most every single one of us right now, something can come to your mind. One thing that, that you, you know that you need to go back to the Lord for time and time again until you see Him answer it. Anybody got one of those things? Yep, I see hands. And I encourage you this morning to, whatever that one prayer is, to keep praying persistently. Keep knocking on that door. I want you to also notice this mother also prayed painfully. Notice how Hannah was her praying was described in verse 10. If we go back to that passage of Scripture, we see that Hannah, the Word said she was praying in verse 10. It said, in deep anguish. And it also said that she was crying bitterly. Now, other translations of this same Scripture said that she wept much with bitterness of soul. She was deeply troubled. She poured out soul and with great grief, one translation said. See, Hannah wasn't just praying for fun. Or to pass the time. Hannah was praying painfully. She was praying persistently. See every time that we make a commitment to prayer. It costs us something. Did you hear me? Every time you make a commitment to prayer. It costs you something. Effective prayer costs Hannah something. But. What, what has your prayer life cost you lately? Because effective prayer will cost you something. But let me tell you something else the Word says about effective prayer. It says that the effectual, effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man or woman availeth much. Fervent prayer. Do you know what fervent means? Fervent means exceedingly hot. Think about that for a moment. So when you see somebody praying in a worship service and you think, oh, all that isn't really necessary. They're praying until they're sweating uh, and the sweat's pouring from them. I've prayed for people before in altars until the, I, every place on me was just soaking wet. You may say, that's not really necessary. Well, this word tells me that fervent prayer does avail much. It will cost you something. You also need to understand something about this type of prayer. This type of prayer that this mother prayed not only hurt during the prayer, but it also hurt after the prayer was answered. 
I'm going to talk about Jesus in a few moments and his fervent prayer, but we'll get there. But I want you to understand that prayer often hurts. It's actually sometimes painful during the prayer, but it's also painful afterwards. See, she prayed for God to give her a son, but then she had to painfully give him back to the Lord for his life. I, I thought about it and I shared this morning in the 845 service how that, for those of you that didn't know my mother, in 2007, she had the second stroke of her life. She had the first one in 1997. She laid four days in a coma in 1997. They said that she would never walk again, never talk again, never dress herself, never drive a vehicle, never work a job again. But the Lord moved in a miraculous way, and, and she did. She completely rehabilitated. It took several weeks, months even, and she completely rehabilitated. She returned to work her job. She drove a vehicle. She did everything she did before. She handled her own finances. She dressed herself. She fed herself. She did everything they said she would never do and fully functioned on a job for 10 more years after that. But in 2007, she had a second stroke. And that stroke left her in UK Medical Center for several uh, weeks. And then several months after that, she was in, we couldn't get her in the Heritage in Corbin. So we had to get her in a sister facility so that we could get her a bed at the Heritage when it came open. So their sister facility that had a bed was the Terrace in Berea. So we put her there. She was there for several months. And then finally when a bed came open, we got her to Corbin to the Heritage. And she was there for several months before she passed. But I'll never... Forget, see that second stroke mom never rehabilitated from and her short-term memory was almost absolutely nothing. So every single day from the day she had that stroke on February the 27th, 2007 until the day that she went home to be with the Lord in August of that same year, every single day whether she was in Lexington or Berea and finally thank the Lord moved to Corbin, every single day me or my sister went and spent at least an hour or two with her every single day. And every day when we returned she would forget that we had had been there the day before and when she had her 60th birthday in August of 2007 and we had a big party for her we had ice cream cake that was her favorite we had balloons we had gifts we invited family friends we took the community room at the nursing home and we had all of her favorite staff members there because they loved her dearly and they loved working with her and we had a big party she had a big time and I'll never forget leaving the nursing home that night we got to the Peach Corner then, that was 2007, now it's the Dollar Tree on the corner of 18th Street in Corbin. We were sitting at the red light and my phone rang. And it was my aunt, her sister Ruth from Michigan, who's probably watching this service right now. And when I answered the phone, Aunt Ruth said, Sean, I thought you told me that you were having your mother a birthday party. I just called Frida to wish her a happy birthday. And I said, we did, Aunt Ruth. And I told her all about it, everything we did. And she said, uh, Sean, she says she don't know when the last time was that she's seen you all. And I said, Okay, so when I got done with the conversation, I called mom. And she couldn't use a regular telephone after she had that stroke, but she had one of those old Nokia handheld cell phones that I paid for for her. How many remembers those old Nokias? Buddy, she could master that thing, even after the stroke. She could use it well. And so I called her, and I said, Mom, I just talked to Aunt Ruth, and, and she says that, that you didn't remember your party. I said, Mom, well, look around your room. You have balloon bouquets in there. There's still gift bags sitting up on your shelf, and I said, we just had a birthday party for you, two and a half hours. You had a big time, lots of family, friends, and all kinds of stuff. It was, don't you remember? And I was trying to jog her memory. How many knows what it's like when your mama calls you by your first and your middle name, right? You know it means business when they call the middle name. And she said to me, Sean Wayne, don't you tell people that you're coming to see me when you're leaving me lay here by myself. 
And that was the hardest thing to swallow. And I'll never forget. Why did I tell you that story? Here's why. I'll never forget when I hung up the phone with her. The next red light I stopped at was at Malfunction Junction on my way home. And my wife and both of my kids heard me say out loud in the vehicle, I said, God, if you're not going to heal her this time, please do not let her lay there for the next 20 years because she was only 60. For the next 20 years and think that nobody cares about her. And with tears running down my face, I drove on home and that was it. And that Saturday morning, she went home to be with the Lord like that. I was quickly reminded that that was a painful prayer to pray. And the result was also painful. But we have to trust God that He knows what's best. And obviously it wasn't His will to heal her here. So I know that she was healed there instantly. And she's the one that has it made and we're the ones that still have to make it. Say amen, somebody. But you need to understand that sometimes prayer is painful, but sometimes the answer to the prayer is also painful. See, here's the the thing. Too many of us want to pay the price during prayer, but then we want to resist the cost that the answer requires. We pray for the job, but the answer might mean less money because money isn't everything. When the job's hindering our marriage, hello somebody, or the job's hindering our relationship with our children. We pray for revival. I'm going to preach to us for a moment. But if we really want revival... The answer for revival may require us turning the TV off, pushing back the plate, spending some time in prayer, and God forbid, going to church more than once a week. Can I get an amen? Revival might cost us that. We pray many times for that special relationship or maybe that toxic relationship. But the answer may mean counseling. Or the answer might mean saying, I'm sorry. I was wrong. Why is it we live in a society that cannot admit wrong today? I mean, nobody's wrong about anything, right? See, you all agree with me. Nobody wants to admit that they're wrong. I want to tell you something. Sometimes the answer to your prayer may be painful. It may cost you time, but it may also cost you pride. It may cost you sacrifice. It may cost you... uh, Something, because praying is just the first part of the pain. Sometimes the pain carries over into the answer. Some of y'all that are praying about relationships need to get out of a toxic relationship. Let me preach to the young people for just a moment. If they won't be committed to Jesus, they won't be committed to you. Don't think that you're going to clean them up and, and get them right. If they won't be committed to Jesus, they won't be committed to you. Did you hear me? As a matter of fact, you need to be buried so deep in Jesus that they got to dig through Jesus to find you to start with. How many of us are willing to do the hard work of praying, but we're unwilling to deal with the painful answer? How many of us are willing to pay the price in prayer, but we're unwilling to pay the price to see the prayer answered? See, Jesus prayed. When you read about Jesus' prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane, you'll find that first of all, his prayer was so fervent that he was sweating. That's what the Bible said. Then you'll find that his prayer was so painful because his sweat became as great drops of blood. But Jesus also understood the pain 
not just during the prayer, but the pain after the prayer that he would have to deal with. But thank God he said, Nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. Hannah prayed painfully, and this mother also prayed from the heart. I've just got two more, and we're going to close. Notice that it was the heart prayer that got the answer. It was not the eloquent, elegant, awe-inspiring, flashy, impressive prayer that got the answer. Can I tell you that sometimes in our community, I'm invited to be parts of things and, and so honored that I am, but sometimes somebody else will be invited to pray. And can I tell you that there is probably nothing in this world that irks me any worse than for somebody to, when it comes time to pray, to pull out a printout and just read something off that they typed up that they thought sounded good. Well, somebody says, Pastor, that's awfully critical. I just know that when I pray, I talk to God. And I'm not, my prayer is not to impress you. If I'm invited to bless a building, I'm going to ask for God's blessing in that place. If I'm invited to pray at a funeral, I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit to comfort the people that are mourning. We need to know what real prayer is all about. It wasn't, notice with Hannah, it wasn't the flashy, eloquent, impressive prayer. It was actually the almost silent, under her breath prayer that had Eli asking. Okay, I see her lips moving, but I don't hear a sound. Is she crazy or is she drunk? That's what he said. But it was that prayer that got the results. You know why? It was what she was saying. It was the prayer from a heart that was surrendered to commitment that God answered. See, I think too many times we want to pray, but we don't want to commit. Mm -hmm. I love it when people get in the altar, but we got too many people that come to the altar and ask for forgiveness, but they don't want to make a commitment to the Lord. They want forgiveness today, and they want to go out and do what they want to do tomorrow. It was the prayer, though, from a heart of commitment to God that made the difference. What Hannah said was, God, if you'll do this for me, if you'll give him to me, God, I'll give him to you. She made a commitment to the Lord. I wonder how much more successful our prayer lives would be if we prayed from a heart that was fully surrendered to commitment to the Lord. I wonder how many of us actually have a lot of words coming out of our mouths, but very little that really comes out of our hearts. And lastly, I want you to consider that this mother grabbed hold of a word. And that word grabbed hold of her. See, when Eli gave her a word, Hannah took that as straight from God because the high priest was God's mouthpiece. See, it's, it's a tough time in the church world today because most of the time, let's just be honest, we don't always consider the preacher God's mouthpiece, right? Because unless the word that the preacher gives us goes along with what we agree, oh, I don't receive that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the preacher can't preach on sin if we want to redefine sin. Oh, that's not God's mouthpiece speaking, but I want to tell you something. When it's a word from God and it comes out of the word from God, you better heed God's mouthpiece. You better heed what the word says to do. And I want you to notice what happened when Hannah heeded the word that came from the high priest. She was no longer, the word said she was no longer downcast. When she grabbed onto that word, she was no longer downcast. She immediately regained her appetite. 
and her sadness went away. And the Bible said, then she got up and she worshipped. She held on tenaciously to that word. I want you. To, I want to tell you something this morning. I remember a message that Brother Benny Fields preached in the technology center back years ago before we even had this building. And uh, as a young pastor, uh, he did something in the service that night. Some of you will remember the message. The message was stand on the word. How many here remember that message at the technology center? Just probably a handful of you. And as a young pastor, it made me a nervous wreck. And I shared this this morning at 845 when his family was here because he did something as an illustration. He brought people up and he laid out Bibles in the floor and he had people stand on the Bibles. Well, you know how sometimes people, you know, don't lay anything on top of a Bible and all that. I mean, my little young pastor's heart just went to beating out of my chest. And I thought, oh, Lord, these people are going to crucify me because he's got them walking all over the Bibles. But what he was doing was giving an illustration for them to stand on the Word. And when he laid those Bibles out in that altar that night and people came forward and they stood on that Word, I watched, I physically watched God work miracles in the lives of people. Why? It was just like baptism. You know what baptism is? It's an outward expression of an inward work. And when they came up and they stood on the word they said God I'm standing on your promise I'm not going to move they grabbed a hold is what I'm preaching today they grabbed a hold of that word and they said God I'm not going to let go until you move according to your word I'm holding on to every promise there ain't no devil in hell that can unstable me there ain't no doubt and disbelief that can cause me to doubt your word I'm going to hold on to your word I want to tell you when we do that It'll change our appetite. The Word said it changed Hannah's appetite. See, some of you also need to realize that even though the Scripture says she gave birth, I said in due time. Remember that? In due time. you got to realize that from the time she grabbed a hold of that Word from Eli, there was a nine-month process that she had to go through before that baby was ever born. She had to allow that word to get a hold of her, get down inside of her, take up seed within her and grow until the promise came forth. Some of you today need to take hold of the word. You need to hear the promises from the Father. You need to pray until you get a word that will rearrange your world. And God, I promise you, when you get a hold of that word, will meet your needs. Some of you need to remember this morning the word that's already been given to you. Some of you have already got a word, you just haven't been holding on to it. Maybe you've allowed what you see with your natural eyes to affect the word that you saw with spiritual eyes. Or you've allowed what you hear with natural ears to affect the word that you heard with your spiritual ears. Take hold of the word again. Believe what has been promised to you. Listen, it may be nine months before you see the fruit of that word, but don't give up. Two weeks in. Did you hear me? It may be nine years, but don't give up eight years into the journey. Grab a hold onto the word that you've received and let that word grab a hold of you as they come to the music this morning. I want you to notice one other thing that's very important. The word that she grabbed and the word that grabbed her changed her appetite and her countenance. That's what the scripture said. The word will change your appetite. The word will change your outlook. See, some of you may have received a word, but you haven't grabbed a hold of it because it hasn't changed your appetite yet. 
Your outlook hasn't changed yet. But I want to tell you, if you receive a word from God, it will produce change. Did you hear me? His word is more powerful than a two-edged sword. His word never returns void or falls to the ground. His word can speak things into existence. If you read scripture, you'll find that his word has stopped the sun, tore down walls, commanded raging seas, multiplied little, and brought dead things back to life. That's the kind of power that comes from the Word of God. And that Word, when you grab hold of it, and it grabs a hold of you, it'll change what you hunger for. It'll change how you look at your circumstance. And it will change your countenance. I want to ask you this morning, have you grabbed the Word lately? Have you been grabbed by the Word lately? On this Mother's Day, this mother Hannah has taught us some lessons about prayer. If you'll stand with me all over the room today. I want to tell you this afternoon, if you will pray persistently, if you're willing to pay the price during and after the prayer, if you'll pray from a heart that's surrendered to commitment. If you'll pray about what irritates you and what frustrates you. And if you'll get a hold of the Word and let that Word get a hold of you, I promise you, God the Father will begin to make the necessary arrangements to respond to your prayer. This book tells me that Jesus ever since He ascended back to heaven, is seated at the right hand of the Father, ever making intercession for us. I want you to see that in your mind this morning. They've already sung it. Even when you can't see Him, He's working. God is in heaven working. He's shuffling through the circumstances. Woo! Woo! He's shuffling through the circumstances. He's waiting to see how persistent you are. He says, I'm waiting on that one. When they get persistent enough with me, I'm ready. I'm going to move. I'm going to rearrange some things and work it out for their good. But I'm waiting to see how concerned they are about it. I'm just waiting for them to become persistent in their prayer.